It's Saturday, September 23rd, 2017, and you are listening to part one of episode 75 of Roll Up and Die. Check one, yep. two. Check, 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 one, two. Recording Yeti, mono. Okay. <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five. Ready to rock and roll. All right. Ready to what rock and to? roll. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Barker, what'd you say? I don't know. I was. I think I was going to ask what are you guys up to, but then I heard <laughs> you say things. <clears throat> I said dumb stuff. Uh, well, yeah. I just got done eating dinner with my wife. We had a... Uh, <laughs> We had a ridiculous, like, uh, in-between paychecks meal. Do you, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, where yeah. You're just like, what do we have in the oh, fridge right now? What yeah. awesome deliciousness could we make happen? <laughs> what casserole can yeah. we make? <laughs> so I, uh, we had a um, about a half a bag of potatoes, which is always good. You can do, you know, hash oh, yeah, or whatever you want yeah. with it. Yeah. And uh, we had um, can of beans. We had cheese. And we had some leftover ground... Uh, beef that we had made. Um, uh, oh, shepherd's pie right there. Yeah, so we get we get you can yeah. do shepherd's pie. We could have done oh, a hash. Yeah. <clears throat> I decided that I wanted to make. <laughs> I called it Mexican poutine, but a more a more accurate name would be like potato skin casserole. I basically what I did was I was potato salad. I made a bunch of fries, so I cut up the rest of potatoes, and I, I fried them, so I made some little potato wedges, and oh, then nice. I put them in a sheet pan, and I layered them, so I did, like, fries, cheese, meat, fries, cheese, meat, and I just put mm-hmm. them in the oven for about 10 minutes, <laughs> got the cheese all melty and brown and crusty on the top. It was awesome, and we had it with, like, okay. a little bit of sour okay. cream on the side, but it was one of yeah. those things where it was like, this is ridiculous, and I never would have made this if we didn't, if we weren't just trying to use up ingredients in our kitchen, so... <laughs> It's hard to grow with cheese, though. though. (laughs) Once you you throw cheese on top of it, it's hard to go bad. Yeah, exactly. If you've got if you've got like potatoes and cheese involved, and then you got sour cream in there, I'm like, I'm good. I don't care what it is. Yeah, it's fairly it's fairly forgiving. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not tomorrow morning, but (laughs) we had a we had an in (laughs) we had an in between paychecks meal today too, where we kind of looked in the fridge and we found this. (laughs) fajita beef that Heather wanted to cook Mm -hmm. and she made it with these like beans and green chili and there was corn in there and like jalapeno potatoes and it was just stuff like it wasn't anything I've ever had before because it's just the stuff that you got in the fridge and after it was done I was like we need to do you remember how you made that yeah (laughs) write that down (laughs) stat exactly well I'm like uh, uh, Teela and I my wife we always talk about whenever we make something like that it's always like okay log that away in our brain because this is a really good like when we have kids meal because you can feed just a ton of people for like no money whatsoever and it's really easy to like hide vegetables and stuff in there like that would have been so good if we had like a couple bell peppers like cutting those up putting that in there like that would have been awesome too so I just love stuff like that man those like one pot sort of things Mm -hmm. where you're just like let's just throw all this stuff in here and Cook it down and make it delicious. Well, well, two great staples to have in bulk, and and they store forever too. Are beans? You can get cans of them, yep. and yeah. rice. You know, yes. between beans rice and rice. beans, you've got you can add just about just a little bit of anything to that, and you've got a perfect meal for anything. You know, you've got all your you know it, it, that'll keep you going for a long, oh, yeah. long time. 
and, yeah. and rice stores forever. Like I said, er, er, just every time you go to the grocery store, just uh, you know, spend an extra buck and get an extra can of beans and just squirrel it away in the back of your cabinet. Yeah, for yep. for time for lean times or times of disaster or apocalypse or what a have you. Bean, a yeah. can of beans, a bottle of water, and a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> at least one on hand at all times. Yeah, that's, that's right. How my parents used to have the. Uh, they have this closet in the back of their room. It's called they call it the Y two K room. And many people will know that that's because uh, just in case the world ended in yep, the year two thousand, yep. they were going to have their stash. And you walk in there now, and it's all wine. That's all that's in there. It's just it's like you're walking into Robert Baratheon's closet. It's just more wine cellar. I know more wine. We used to play in D and D in a friend of mine's basement, and uh, his parents used to used to squirrel away food. And every now and then for laughs, we'd, we'd go through this, this, it was like a little, uh, like a pantry, a little walk-in cabinet, a, a, a walk-in closet. And we start digging through them. And we'd find, now, keep in mind that this was in uh, 1986 uh, or seven around there. And we're finding cans, oh, wow. like, you know, from 1968. Oh, man. <laughs> we, found, we found one from, from the early 70s that, that was, this. the can was, you know, a can is supposed to be cylindrical, right? This yeah. this was this this was almost more round. Which oh my god! Personally, I I wouldn't trust it to. But no, definitely not. <laughs> no. What's that uh, down periscope line? He opens a can and he's like, "This is expired." And he says that you know the, the chef says, "Well, it still tastes like cream corn." Well, that's because it's deviled ham. <laughs> Damn it, Buckman! Have you ever seen Down Periscope? Oh, I've yeah. never seen Down Periscope. Okay, it's a classic. Well, you guys are watching all these movies that you need to watch. I'm over here watching <laughs> Down Periscope for the ninth time with Kelsey Grammer and Radar making whale sounds. All right, so this is that's my life. Hey, you know what? We all we all choose our priorities, but yeah, like I just I love staple meals like that. And Alex, I totally agree with you. Like rice and beans. Like I I just love rice and beans, man. If you you can do. Asian flavors with it, you can do yeah. Mexican flavors with it. Like you, it's so versatile. You just throw whatever protein <clears throat> you happen to have on hand in there if you have some protein, and um, yeah. it's just awesome, man. And you, I always make. I'm always like, okay, I'm gonna make a reasonable amount of rice and beans this time. <laughs> and we still we eat nothing but rice and beans for a week, and there's still like two cups left at the end of oh, the yeah. week that I'm just like, this isn't good anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a staple survival food. If you've got a survival bunk bunker and you're waiting for the apocalypse. That's the stuff to get. God, I'm hungry now. What the hell are we doing here? What, do you guys want to talk about food? Yeah, like, let's screw do, this. Let's do an episode on everything you can do with a can of beans and a bag of rice. Yeah. <laughs> Indie cuisine. I like it. Yeah. Now we could, you know, we could possibly in the future do something like in around the town where we talk about restaurants and stuff like that. Oh man, we haven't but, done it around the town in a long time. Oh man, we haven't. Man, maybe maybe it's maybe about someday. time that we. Did one? Think so. That was the segue flying by. <laughs> that was it, and it went well. It went Nobody really fell. We didn't have it. We didn't have We were, a, we were all in on that. It was. It was like a six point yeah. five at least. Yeah, yeah that was good. I, I like would on say the Richter scale or out of ten. It's a good. Uh, <laughs> you choose. It's a good indicator that I we're, we're same, getting back it? into the swing of things here. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, it's the uh, the first one. Back after the hiatus was a little iffy, yeah. But uh, post production, baby, <laughs> <laughs> made we it can all give ourselves better. standing ovations. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, today we are actually doing an around the town, but we're gonna kind of broad stroke it a little bit. I'm really excited about tonight's topic because we are talking about city districts 
right here on Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG podcast. Welcome, guys. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnock. This is a big topic. Huge. Huge. Huge topic. So, I don't know. I just want to throw it out on the table and let either of you guys take us on the journey. Let's get started. Let's go talk about some city districts. I can start if you like. (laughs) I think Um, think you should, Alex. I shall then. Uh, As far as city districts go, so much of it depends on on the surroundings, but one that you almost always have to have uh, are the the ports, the port district. Oh, yeah. Because... Um, in especially if you're in, this is going to be a fun episode. I just got really excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> Where's my damn pen? I think I see it was my, it was my damn pants. Um, no, but uh, a, <laughs> those two. A port uh, is 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 vital for any kind of major city because well, most of them were built on water of some kind or another. Whether it's a rip major river, an inlet, uh, a bay, a sea, you know, they they they're built on water because that was the primary uh, method of shipping goods in and out of that place. They, they just naturally seem to grow up around those uh, uh, things in history. So it makes sense that in a and d type setting, you would have the cities growing on these places. Now, that's, of course, assuming you don't have any some kind of other magical method of, of shipping, such as airships, that kind of thing, which obviously then you can, you know, kind of get into different ideas. But if you're talking about a, yeah. a traditional medieval style city, it's going to be, it's, it's almost always going to be on water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially, you know, the farther back you go. <clears throat> oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you could even go into, I mean, I don't want to jump the shark too soon, but when you're <laughs> talking ports, like you can have a river, you're talking ocean, yep. you can put in a spaceport if you're doing science fiction. I mean, they're everywhere. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, and, and because a city requires a lot of import. I mean, when you have a city, you have to have goods constantly moving into the city because, you, you know, people aren't growing their own food. They're not uh, bringing their own supplies. Blacksmiths need metal brought in. Uh, stone masons, they need stone brought in from afar. Yep. Uh, you need constant food brought in. You need waste brought out. And usually cities are massive centers of trade, so you've got goods coming in and out all the time. There's got to be a way to get that in and out easily. Presumably trains don't exist or other form, you know, transportation like yeah. that. So really, ports are it. The other reason that a port is critical is because... In, in many, many cases, that's what your city is going to grow around. It's, it's like that little bit of, of uh, grit inside an oyster that makes the pearl. You know, it's, yeah. uh, you know first, first they set up the port. You know, it, it maybe it's a place where ships just store things or they dock there, you know. And, and a city tends to grow up around it. You know, it might have started even as a fishing village. And pretty soon, you just get this massive metropolis. It's, it's perfect that that one was mentioned first. Because, like you said... You start with the port and then slowly kind of naturally ask yourself, okay, what would come next? You know, like, you know, residential areas, you know, sort of like a market district where people can sell the goods that they're bringing into the town. Like, what would the town require from that point? So I'm a big fan of um, of market districts uh, of like the bazaar of the city, you know, because Mm. I feel like you can tell a lot about a city and what it's known for by going to its its markets. And that, yeah. I mean, that holds true today. If you go to like a farmer's <clears> market <throat> in a town or a city, you can tell a lot about like what the what the sort of fruits and vegetables that are native to the area, what sorts of arts the people are into, things like that. And uh, I know as an adventurer in a D&D game or any sort of RPG, if I'm going into mm-hmm. a city, one of the first places I want to go to is like, well, is there a, a merchant district? Is there a marketplace? Is there a blacksmith or a general store that I can go to to 
resupply to sell some goods that I have to maybe look for some cool weapons or armor or trinkets, you know? I just, I've always loved the market for, both for atmosphere, to tell a lot about the world, and also for, like, just cool, like, set pieces. Like, some of my favorite action set pieces for movies are, like, in a big crowded market, you know? And yeah. You're running yeah, along yeah. and knocking over the, the cart of apples and stuff like that <clears throat> in the market. Oh, yeah. So I've just always <laughs> been drawn to that. And whenever I whenever I start thinking about a city and what I want to be in there, I always think about what does the market look like? It, it is sort of like the, the, the sort of next ring if we're working our way up from the port because – this is again where the, all the trade takes place. You know, people from the surrounding towns come usually come to a city for trade. Either they're coming to buy something, they're coming to sell their wares. You know, you have farmers who bring in their wagons of of produce, or you know, you have the uh, the miners who are bringing in all the ore, or you know, whatever it happens to be, and they're bringing them into these to these bazaars. Because um, not all of them are to sell. You know. Uh, uh, cute little trinkets and little magic items a lot of them are selling bulk stuff you know you know they, they might even be selling ore that they yeah. that they mine hey we have this raw this raw gold ore that you can that you can get cheap you know <laughs> um yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't mind refining it yourself that kind of thing so it is going to send sort of suggest again what some more of the districts are going to be because the bazaar is going to now tell you kind of kind of like Matt was suggesting what they trade what is what is this area about what is their primary export import you know, is it fish? Is it is it primarily a mining you know place? Is it uh, do they deal more with just general trade? Do they deal more with uh, you know metalworking? Are they what are they known for? And you know what that is, I think where you start when it's like, all right, <clears throat> let's sit down. We're designing a city. Look at the geography. Look at the environment. You know, you started with a port because we're assuming that this place is built on water. But that leads to another question. Like, okay, well, what else is around? And when you look at the environment around a city, that'll tell you a lot about it. And that, I think, is a good place to start is the outskirts of the city. Yeah. When the characters, when the adventuring party, when they're walking to the city, when they arrive... The first thing they should be greeted by is probably not a gate. They should yeah. probably most likely be greeted by estates and farms yeah. and stuff on the outside of the city <clears throat> that they're kind of having to pass through and mm-hmm. maybe even stay the night in one of the farms or something on the way into the city. And then even once they reach the city, the outskirts are going to be a different than the inskirts. As you move in, you're going to be traveling through these different areas. Yeah. So starting from the outside, if you have these kind of outer areas, when you get to the gate, when you walk through the gate, what do you see? Like, what, what's the first yeah. thing you're greeted by? It helps to think of a city as kind of a layered onion. As we've sort of already hinted at, you know, it always starts with something small, whether it's a, a small mining community, a fishing village or whatever. And then as, you know, over time, it grows, you know, things are added to it. Then it gets big enough where now they have to build a keep. So they build this this sort of keep in the middle. And then, you know, just concentric rings keep getting added to it, and then it expands in different areas. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very organic thing, and it, and it can help when you're designing a city, you know, come up with districts, to think about that. You know, how did, you know, kind of come up with a little quick history in your head. How did this place start? Why is it here? Uh, and, and, and come up with all that. And, that's, and, and then it makes coming up with these other things almost effortless. Yeah, it's true, because it's, I mean, people don't go to an area and settle it and go, all right, we'll put the city right here, you know, and like build the yeah. walls and then start building the city inside the walls. <laughs> like it's normally, right, right. It, it, like you're saying, it gets built up from from nothing. And most of the time they're, they're settling somewhere because of water or resources or whatever. So that's just the thing about cities and not worrying too much about the organization or the layout of a city, because cities, especially back in like medieval times were so confusing because they weren't built with a per they weren't built purposefully they were just 
add it on to sort of add as, on another section of exactly, wall. Exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, we got to We got to expand over here. We got to expand over here. And it just kind of goes out <laughs> and out and out. So it's like, don't worry about your city necessarily being like confusing or, or, or hard to get around. It's like, have you ever driven around Seattle? Have you ever driven around? You know, like it's, yeah. just, it's, it's difficult oh, I used, I used to, to get I used around. To, I used to, yeah. I used to deliver in Boston and, and, oh, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and that's the city that was built on cow trails basically. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so get, well, and it's one of those things where if you're not really prepped, you're, you're feeling unsure about the city. It's almost like you can go ahead and say this city is just extra confusing it's clear that they've just been adding on bits here and yeah. there it's it's like a harry potter staircase like you just know <laughs> you have no idea where you're going right yeah and it kind of gives you a little bit of leeway Definitely. yeah for sure when you reach the gates of the city once you've kind of passed all these kind of farms and estates and you've decided what kind of stuff grows here you know wine you know grapes you know, wine grows here <laughs> for, <it's laughs> bottles like of wine right brand. out of the ground bottles of wine right off the tree um the uh but once you get to the gate you guys correct me if i'm wrong because this is this is something that's i'm interested in learning about mm-hmm. but i feel like that's when you receive the military presence in the city yeah that's when you're greeted by the guards that's mm-hmm. when you might see people on the wall that's when you might see a garrison or like a barracks attached to the wall uh one of the things we're, uh with the uh, critical publishing we're doing uh, working on a project right now about cityscapes it's part of the uh, Cinematic Environs nice. series. And one of the things we're sort of talking about is the idea that about cities sort of having alignments. You know, I'm not, I'm not big on characters having alignments in D&D, but I, 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 when mm-hmm. we started talking about it in terms of a city, I really kind of like that because you can then kind of break it down into sort of a, what's the general alignment of this place. And that's the first thing, like you said, you're going to see when you get there. Are the, uh, are the guards sort of just, you know casually smiling at people as they go in are they are they frisking people <laughs> are they being really uh strict mm-hmm. about how they let people in and and you you're going to learn a lot about the city even before you step through the gate uh how they how how yeah. you're likely to be treated are they turning yeah. away people of a particular race for example you know are they maybe being a bit more rough with you know with certain people you know if someone's poor do mm-hmm. they sort of just like you know frisk them down and kick them you know to yeah. go in you know that sort of thing. So you know you can kind of get a feel for you know what you can expect here. Is it a you know, is it is it a a wild west sort of situation where you know you see people walking around with you know swords over their shoulders and you know you see you see you see actually someone get knifed in an alley and and the guards just kind of walk by because it's no one important you know that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. I love that's. I think I love thinking about the like the law enforcement of a city, the guards, you know, the what whatever mm-hmm. is there. I love thinking we've done about an episode, I think, right? Oh yeah, we definitely have, but I just I love thinking about like what they're wearing, the kind of weapons mm-hmm. they're wielding and I think that you can tell a lot about a city by that like um in the provokers Mike uh Mike Lasham, his character Edric um is a a guardsman of this city and he decided that the guards in this city have these specialized pole arms that were adapted from farming implements because he had it mm. in his head that this was just a tiny farming village that eventually sort of grew up into this city, but they never really lost that that sort of uh, that root, you know, their roots to being this sort of agricultural yeah, sort tradition. of uh, uh, culture. And so the pole arms that they use are sort of they're almost like farming implements, and they they use them, they wield them as such. Um, and I think that that's a really cool idea. And so thinking about you know, like you're saying, Barker, the first thing you see when you come in, it's probably going to be the guards, right? Mm-hmm. The guards you know, can give you like a really good idea of what to expect. 
uh, yeah. deeper into yeah. the city. You know, like you're saying, Alex, you know, are they frisking people? Are they turning people away? What are they wearing? What do they look like? What do they talk like? Do they talk to people with respect? Are they, you know, your stereotypical medieval guards where they're like, Oi, what are you doing? You know, we can't come in here. Right, right. The gates are closed. Order of the king. They, that sort of thing. Are they but, giving yeah. lollipops to kids? Yeah. Are they, you know, <laughs> yeah. nice well, and smiling? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Are, are they well-trained or are they mall cops, you know? Yep, um, yep. And, and this kind yeah. of segues into what I think is the next next important district, which would be the, the citadel or keeper castle. You know, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the the scale of it, but it's, it's it's sort of the citadel district, which is basically the keep itself, which would be in the center. You know, usually. Yeah, and um, and I was thinking, you know, that's what you describe first, as the characters first see the city on the mm-hmm. horizon. You describe the farms and the estates that they're at, and you also describe that castle yeah. at the at the, the peak, because that's always kind of going to be an epicenter, right? Yeah, because I mean, once you have your port. And now you've got your commerce going through. Now you need protection. <laughs> now it's time to build the keep and yeah. maybe a, you know, some sort of uh, you know fence around the place, or you know, it could even just be embankments or some kind of wooden, not a barricade, uh, palisade, palisade, palisade. That's it. So you you know, it can start with that, and there could even be remnants of that. You know, you could have this yeah. this sort of multi tiered wall where you can see where the older wall was much lower, and maybe then you know. Then there's you know uh, maybe ten feet from that there's a, there's a much bigger sturdier looking wall that sort of thing right. that sort of thing right. yeah. you can see the you can see the ta- the city's history in its architecture if you describe a beautiful pearlescent tower reaching up to the very tip top of the city almost touching the sky and a beautiful glistening bolt of lightning firing off into the clouds versus a gargoyle infested gargoyle ridden (laughs) almost like disgusting looking gothic old school castle with arrow slits everywhere i mean you're talking about a completely different place and that's so important to show the characters show the players what they're getting into before they get into it. Definitely. Are, are there corpses hanging from the battlements with signs on them saying, you know, thief? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Are you likely to pickpocket in this town? Maybe not. Do they do their executions publicly right. or do they do it in the castle or yeah. do they not do them? Okay, so Alex, you mentioned architecture and, yeah. you know, you guys talked about guards too. Like, this is how you figure out about the city. Smells. Mm-hmm. This right here I think is the chief sense and I know we're running through these topics so quickly because it's such a big topic but the sense of smell is going to be so important because every district will smell different mm-hmm. and the smelliest dis- districts the smelliest workshops and stuff are probably going to be in the same area so everyone can keep that disgusting part away <laughs> or like in one spot oh yeah so it's so what sort of smells do you think you'd get from any one of these districts. I mean, we're talking about ports, markets, warehouses, castles, estates, <laughs> temples. We talked about garrisons, ruined areas. Like, what do you guys think? Well, I worked near the ports in Boston, and this was in a modern city, and they reeked of fish. Yeah. Bad fish. Uh, <laughs> and it bad was like, fish. And, oh, it was every, every single time. You know, yeah. I, parked, I had to park in an alley. The, the stink was just unbelievable yeah you know? i mean i just yeah. driving through port of tacoma i've never i've never even actually been to the port but driving through it it's like roll up the windows <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> yeah it's it can be it can be pretty pretty uh pretty beastly especially in in the summertime yeah well and i yeah. think uh in a typical medieval city the the overwhelming smell especially the in downtown would be poop it would smell yeah. like poop yep and uh 
I think that that would most probably be overwhelming. Now, the thing that's cool about D&D and, and RPGs in general is you can have a city that's more advanced than it, than it necessarily would have been in, in sort yeah. of a medieval times. You know, you can have yeah. plumbing or aqueducts or whatever you want to have uh, some sort of system for that. Sure. Um, because I don't generally like to say, you know, you it, <laughs> unless I'm running like a dark and gritty sort of like <laughs> Warhammer fantasy <clears throat> sort of game, yeah. I don't want to yeah. describe them like wading through shit to get into the city. Kind of getting back to the districts, we can kind of look at how some of the districts may have that kind of, you know, that kind of smell, you know, it smells like a, you know, a parking garage, your, you know, bathroom. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, these are, these are the slums and, and these, these, these terrible places ah. that are out of the way. And then you, then you have this exotic plumbing in, in the sort of wealthier areas and where the nobility are and the, the yeah. high streets, that sort of thing. This was actually, again, some, something that, that we were working on for, for the book, which was, was the idea of coming up, was sort of borrowing the idea of aspects from fate, for anyone familiar with that. Yeah. And sort yeah, of, and sort of uh, working, working a system where you could apply these to different parts of the city. So, you know, Ooh. you go, you go into this one area and, you know, you, you take, you know, three or four yeah. aspects to sort of describe it as it's, you know, it's cold, it's dark, it's wet, you know, and, and each one has an effect not not only kind of viscerally on, on the description, but also how how does that affect you know what you're doing there? Well, let's go through like uh, just really quick some districts, and then like I'll name a district, and both of you name something that it'll smell like. All right, and I'm gonna <laughs> right. this will be fun. Is like that okay? It. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. All right. Yeah. All right, here we go. <clears throat> let's start easy, and we'll go with a, a fantasy slash medieval type of setting. Market. I think it would smell like lots of different kinds of food, and it would yep. sort of be hard to pinpoint exactly what the flavors were. But it would probably be uh, things from all across the land. You know, this region that you're in, uh, different spices and things like that. Yeah, I tend to think of spices, uh, smokes, different, mm-hmm. different, different smelling mm. smokes. Um, different. Uh, there'd be there'd definitely be a smell of of people. You know, anytime you get a, a large group of people together, there's going to be yeah. they, there's a people smell. Uh, not necessarily terrible, not like you know disgusting, but definitely there's musk. Yeah, yeah. The, you get a group of people like that together. There's a little bit of sweat it's, there. Smells like a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. <laughs> oh man, nothing. <laughs> nothing smells, like a, Yu-Gi-Oh smells like a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. Not even the port of Tacoma smells like a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. <laughs> but it would sort of change oh. as you walk through. You know, the, there's going to be yeah. areas where they're. They're selling leather, so you're gonna get that strong leathery smell. You know, you walk past a metal worker, and you get you know a bit of you know um, like a sulfury smell from the from yeah. the forge, that kind of thing. So there's always you know going to be those different smells as you walk through, and it can sort sort of change moment to moment as you're going through the bazaar. Yeah, Absolutely. like go through a, a shop, just a store, like a Safeway or a Smiths or whatever your mm-hmm. Albertsons or whatever, and just kind of next time you're shopping, look around at all the different foods there. Yeah, and then ask yourself, what if all of this were being cooked right here for me? <laughs> like, what if all of this meat on the shelf were being cooked at a bunch of different stalls around the store? What if mm-hmm. people were dicing up these apples and making a cobbler? Like, what if, what if that were the case? then you'd kind of get a bunch of ideas like, ooh, yeah, there's the meats, the fruits, there's, like you mentioned, the smokes, tobacco. There's going to be a ton of different, you know, mm-hmm. smells, the people. Um, my next one is going to be a little bit more difficult for you guys, though. Oh, boy. I think. You ready for this? Ready. Okay. Cemetery. Fresh earth. If, yeah. There's going to be some, some, uh, uh, some open graves, especially in a city. A lot of people dying. Um... 
I'm going to say there's probably some incense as well. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's probably some shrine set up, maybe some, maybe people even set up little, little, uh, uh, sensors on, you know, on some of the, on some of the graves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably, probably, probably a, a certain type of flower too, because yeah, um, a lot of people would wear would you know wear flowers or or put flowers in their house to drive away smells and stuff like that, and so you'd want this mm-hmm. place to be sort of that sort of thing. But they would probably use like one one particular kind that was unique to that setting. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna I was gonna say incense, uh, mud, and and flowers, and probably like. Uh, wilting flowers you know flowers get that yeah, sort of yeah. sour sweet mm-hmm. smell when they wilt and die and i imagine that mm-hmm. you know if you're leaving flowers on graves they're out in the rain and stuff like that they would you would kind of get that sickly sweet sort of smell of of dead flowers yeah and I, this is a really good time for you as a game master to really decide a little bit about this region too like let's go to the flowers and the mm-hmm. cemetery or the the grove or whatever park you're going to have in your city but where do you put the cemetery <laughs> that's the question i want to ask you guys where do you guys put your cemetery in your fantasy game hmm. because in science fiction you're just launching them out of the airlock <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I guess, I guess it depends, so on, how all, their, it depends on how they treat their dead if uh, you oh, know some yeah. places could burn them uh if it's if it's a more arctic region then they're then they're likely to have catacombs because you can't you're not you can't dig in the ground uh so they have to have catacombs to put them mm-hmm. in underground uh, uh maybe above ground uh sepulchers or you know vaults that they can put them in yeah so so that would that would have a that would have a major impact on where you put it um and i also yeah. think it would be segregated as well you know you're going to have you know maybe up near the keep or the castle you're going to have again you know a more a nicer cemetery for lack of a better yeah, word for the nobility maybe right, like right just keeping with game of thrones below winterfell that's where all the starks are buried you know everyone else right. probably has a cemetery elsewhere i imagine yeah and, and some of our family cemeteries uh maybe uh, yeah. in you know like we do with churches today they have a lot of times the cemetery will be next to a church or te- or you know that yeah. sort of thing yeah. and then and then outside the walls you know you'd have the more you know for the peasantry uh, and then, of course, beyond that, like way outside of town, you'd have mass graves for criminals and, you know, that sort of thing. Mass graves for criminals. Sure. Yeah. That that's what the is Roman, a really that's, cool that's what, thing. That's what the Romans did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I just, <clears throat> that's a really cool idea for describing walking up to the city. Yeah. You know, if you want to <laughs> give the city a nice image... You're walking over a mass grave right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Oh, uh, you want to buy some wares at the market? Uh. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 <clears throat> gross and not fun to think about sometimes. But I think that you know, depending on the tone that you're going for in a setting or or a particular city, it's worth it to think. Where does the wastewater go? Where do yeah. the dead go? You know, like it's because that yeah. affects cities and that's how most plagues started, you know, yeah. was was because they weren't paying attention to that. And so it's it's worth it to to think about that sort of thing, because that's really like at its core, like a city cannot function without a way for it to flush its wastewater, get rid of its wastewater and deal with just if you have a city and there's thousands of people in the city hundreds of people are dying every day. You got to put them somewhere, you know, they got, they have yep. to go somewhere. So it's just, it's interesting to think about that kind of stuff. And I think that you can add a lot of sort of tangibility and realism to a city, even in a fantasy setting. If you think about that sorts of things, even if it's like an elven city where they teleport their poop, you know, <laughs> into the, into the Feywild or something. <laughs> they have like planar toilets. That's how wars start, man. <laughs> All right, I'm you got done. A, I'm done with this. The, the Feywild no, uh, uh, invades because they're tired of having turds fly out of portals into shit. the Feywild. 
Hey, uh, Swilleth, did you wipe? Nah, man, I mage handed it. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. But in all honesty, I think that would be a cool around the town for the future, like the dead. Yeah, definitely. Like just cemeteries talking about the dead. You, we can go into like the Black Company. There are people who sell dead bodies to science because there's sure. just so many dead in the city that they'd have nothing to do with it. So they just kind of let these illegal methods take up. There are a ton of different things that you can do in a desert oh, setting. You can have them recycled. I mean, yep. Uh, uh, maybe they can't. They can't yeah. afford to lose that much organic matter. Mm-hmm. So they 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 put maybe they put them in these huge troughs and they're broken down by bacteria and then recycled as like you know fertilizer or something some something yeah. like that so you get all yeah. sorts of ways to deal with the dead <laughs> not all of them pretty definitely what about an arena district is that a district or is that just a place mm-hmm. is there that could definitely be a district i think that really it, could, it comes yeah. down to uh what sort of city you're building like uh the city of falhast in my setting of aranoff is broken up into districts and one of the districts is just for inventors and artisans Mm -hmm. like there's a there is a whole district just for them to have space to work and get funding and work on different projects and stuff like that so i think if you had a a culture that was very into uh you know arena sports or combat that you could potentially have a whole district that was dedicated to the training the buying and selling of warriors um you know different arenas for different sorts of sports things like Mm -hmm. that I think that, it, yeah. you know, I mean, there's in any given modern city, there's two or three stadiums for different sports. So I, I could true. see it working in a fantasy setting, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a true. really smart idea. Yeah, that's true. You could have one massive arena in the center and then all these other little ones around. Just imagining, I don't know if you've ever seen a photo of Wimbledon where they play the Wimbledon tennis tournament mm-hmm. in the UK. Yeah. Uh, but if you um, you look down and you just see all these tiny little tennis courts because you're looking down from above. And I just imagine now <laughs> looking down at all those little tennis courts, but they're all bloody and everyone's killing yeah. each other and there are lions <laughs> and dragons yeah. and shit. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's Wimbledon, so that you all have cool. to wear white. Yeah. But actually, you know, speaking of that, though, if we're mm-hmm. not going to, you know, let's, let's not go into arena too much, mm-hmm. but let's kind of go into parks a little bit. One of the things that is kind of common is that you will see the middle to upper class places, Mm -hmm. uh, residential areas, kind of separated from everything else by a park or by just a small strip of grass or fields or a zoo or whatnot. Well, I think think to have a park, that automatically speaks of affluence, you know, uh, because uh, let's face it, if 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 you're a city, at least in, at least in a typical D&D type setting, I mean, they're pretty much surrounded by wilderness in most cases. You know, putting just a little pocket of wilderness in the city, it, you know, it ha- it, it would be more garden-like than anything else. You're not going to have like a central yeah. park sort of situation where it's, it's, you know, if you're in the middle of it and you don't see any buildings, it feels like you're in a little forest. Whereas this would be, I could see this more as as really neatly uh, manicured gardens with, with flowers and paths yeah. and little benches mm. and minstrels and, and, you know, that sort of thing. And again, it, it would be... The only reason I could see a, a city sort of doing this is if they had the affluence to do so. The less affluent the place, maybe the park is kind of just the forest. <laughs> yeah, <right> there. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah, I, I've, I've always, I've always loved the idea of like gardens and fountains and stuff, though, in yeah. uh, in a city, you know, especially mm-hmm. in a medieval city. And um, 
you know, having, you know, water instead of a, a well, you know, most most villages would have a well or, or a water source where it could bring up groundwater. Thinking about having, you know, your fountains in your gardens be sort of like a central place where everyone kind of congregates. You know, everyone goes to the fountain to, to wash their hands and splash water right. on their face in the morning, you know, and there's gardens all around it that are nicely maintained and stuff. Like, I think that... Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, if you're going with medieval fantasy, they, they, they tend to want to make the cities very dirty and grimy and gritty. But you can have some leeway with it with with a fantasy setting where there's magic and there's, you know, different uh, advancements in technology and things where you can have a really nice, clean uh, portions of the city that are really quite yeah. beautiful, you know, and um, things like that make the gritty, dirty portions of the city even more so uh, because there is such, like you were saying, Barker, such affluence uh, in certain areas of the city. Well, before we take a question, I've opened up just a list of districts Mm -hmm. and I kind of just want to list them for anyone listening who's just kind of interested in rewinding a few times and writing stuff down and getting some inspiration. So I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to go pretty quick though, if that's all right. right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Civic District. Oh, this is all from Hey Look It's Me 22 on Reddit from one year ago. It got two points, two upvotes. Way to go, Hey Look It's Me 22. (laughs) Civic District. This is one of my favorites. Civic District Ruined. Elf Neighborhood. Embassy District. Finance District. Fine Shops. The Lord's Keep. A Vacant Lord's Keep. The Magic District. Noble Estates. The Park District. The University District. The Wealthy Residential. Average Residential. Uh, Dwarven Neighborhood, or other, if you want to divide it up by race, you can. There might definitely be like an immigrant enclave for people who are moving in or uh, but don't quite have a place to stay yet. Uh, a garrison, like we discussed. Uh, Guildhall District is something that I forgot to bring up. But yeah, all your guilds, all your fantastical tropey guilds can go in one place. There also might be an old former Guildhall District, which might now be used for kind of under the the, the measure of the law things. Mm. Uh, dark alley things. Uh, ha- a halfling encampment. A marketplace. Uh, shops. Temple District. The Adventurer's Quarter, which might be the guilds. Uh, the Angler's Wharf, or the, you know, the port. Uh, apartment homes, caravan district, uh, in, in the goblinoid ghetto. This is some of these are very <clears throat> fantastical. Uh, the inns, the red light district, the the slave quarters if you have them, the tannery districts. That's another one of the, a smelly one uh, that you're going to have yeah. to. Uh, that would stick. Yeah. yeah. There is a. I think I mentioned an inn district, but there also is a tavern district. Uh, tenements, apartments, the theater district. Uh, the Undercity, Warehouses, The Waterfront, a Remnant Neighborhood, uh, The Necropolis, if that's uh, where the way you want to go, uh, Coliseum or Arena, and The Prison District, which you might keep in your keep, your castle yeah, or your, right. your kind of garrison or whatnot, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool, nice fleshed out list of all the... Uh, that's really nice, and I uh, I do want to say as we try to get Alex back on here that there are a lot of um, books out there that are really good for city building. Um, one of them is uh, uh, Pathfinder's uh, Game Mastery Guide, which is uh, maybe my favorite uh, yeah. RPG supplement of all time. I just I love the Pathfinder uh, Game Mastery Guide, but they have a really awesome list of different districts and locations and landmarks and things like that uh, that you can roll for to randomly generate a city or just pick from. So. Like there are a ton of resources out there for building really cool and unique cities in your in your setting. I hear that book promoted. 
from from a ton of people, almost all of them don't play Pathfinder. Yeah, well, it's just it's one of the best system agnostic books out there, and I mean there are there are Pathfinder mechanics and things like the items and some of the like trap generators and stuff like that, but for the most part, it's just a really good way to just get ideas for locations, characters, plots, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and Google, like that's yeah. all I did. I Googled kind of city districts D and D. That's absolutely. what I Googled, and a bunch of stuff popped up. Um, when you tune in to roll up and die, this is you're kind of flipping a coin. That's what that's what we'll call it. When you tune in to the definitive RPG podcast, Roll Up and Die, you are flipping a coin. And heads, you might get some good use out of the RPG podcast. Tails, you might get some good use out of the RPG podcast and will have technical difficulties. Yeah, it's true. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Waiting for Alex to get back into the Skype call. Waiting for Alex. That's like one of those Morrissey or Sting guitar riffs that you're just not quite sure how they make it. Yeah. They just kind of sound, all right. You're like, okay, Someone that's cool. Will, but it's actually Sting himself in a microphone going, yeah. Or they like, they like have two amps on either side of a microphone to create this weird natural phaser effect and they're just hitting the guitar against a violin and they're like that's how we did it <laughs> what you've just listened to has been produced by roll up and die and is copyright 2017 how official the games films tv shows and other stuff we talked about during this episode are the properties of their respective owners so be sure to borrow nicely okay any snippet, portion, clip, or other synonym for part of this show can absolutely be used in other media so long as credit is given to the Roll Up and Die podcast. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt can be found at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker can be found at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at www.absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog, and his work can be found on DriveThruRPG under Critical Hit Publishing. Be sure to keep track of us on iTunes at rollupanddie.podbean.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, everybody, and as always, happy gaming.